Well, welcome. We're so glad you're here this morning. We hope that uh, 2019 is a year in which you see God's mighty hands at work in your life. Uh, my name is Dan Morris. I'm one of the executive pastors here at Lighthouse. Our senior uh, pastor, our lead pastor, Frank Briggs, is still out um, dealing with some repercussions from the radiation treatment that he had received, but he sends his love um, to everyone here. You are in his heart greatly. So we want to pray for Frank and his wife, Chrissy, who's also struggling with some illness, and just pray um, God's healing touch on their lives. So let's, let's bow together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Frank. Thank you for Chrissy. Thank you for the many, many years of wonderful ministry you've done for us through them. And so now we call upon you boldly in the name of Jesus. As a great physician, we come to you to provide healing for them and strength and recovery and wholeness. Bless them, God, and bring them back to us soon. We know this is but a small thing for you, so we pray boldly and faithfully that you will answer us. We pray for the others who are sick as well. There are so many, like Sam Mitchell in the hospital now. Just bless him. Give him strength and help him to recover quickly. And God, you know our hearts that are hurting beyond physical needs. So right now, just hear our hearts as we lift up our concerns and our prayers to you. God, we know that you can heal us, and so we trust you. Do a great thing in our midst, God. Through Christ we pray, amen. So I know if you watched the news this last week, you saw the, just the tragic news of Alexandra Black, the young lady who was mauled to death by a lion just a week ago today. It was last Sunday. 22 years old, just graduated from the University of Indiana, I believe, um, with a degree in uh, animal behavior and a minor in biology. She was just 10 days into an internship in North Carolina working at an animal refuge center. This was her fourth internship, so she was very experienced. She, was, she and a group were cleaning the lion's cage, and somehow the lion um, got out and killed her. Lions are ferocious, lions are fierce, and can be deadly, obviously. 500 pounds is what uh, scientists tell us that lions can grow to, over eight and a half feet long, plus the length of the tail, able to run 30 miles an hour, um, sometimes being clocked at 50 miles an hour in a sprint, able to leap 30 feet stand four feet tall from ground to the top of their shoulder. Their roar can be heard over five miles. They've been known to kill prey that weigh over a thousand pounds. Lions are fierce. Is it any wonder scripture tells us or likens uh, lions to Satan? It says Satan is like a roaring lion, lion roaming around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, scripture says. No wonder it uses the image of a lion in that way, because lions are so fierce. So today we begin a new series called Chasing Lions. 
Because here's the deal. Sometimes the hunter can become the hunted. The chased can become the chaser. And what God calls each and every one of us to do is to be a lion chaser. Now, not literally face a lion in a pit kind of thing, you know, but we all have our lions. We all have those monsters that we face that are overwhelming, overly powerful, vicious, and they strike terror in our heart. And we should run from most monsters, right? But God calls us at times to face them and chase them down. So we begin this series, Lion Chasers, in which we are going to talk about chasing the lions in our lives. We're going to talk about dreaming big dreams on behalf of the kingdom of God, risking boldly on behalf of God, and living victoriously within His calling on our lives. And we're going to talk about this over the next several weeks by looking at one relatively unknown biblical character. You've probably read his name in Scripture because it appears multiple times he was a, an associate, a companion, a warrior, a fighter for King David. But most likely, you just kind of read over his name without paying much attention to who he is and what Scripture says about him. At least I've done that in the past. For the next few weeks, we're going to look at just four verses that talk about Benaiah, the warrior of God, a lion chaser. And we are going to learn from him how to dream big dreams, how to risk boldly, how to live victoriously. We're going to learn that each and every one of us have a calling on our lives. But too many of us run from the fear of fulfilling that calling. But before we introduce Benaiah today, and that's all we're going to have time to do today, is just kind of introduce him, I want to tell you about the first time I met Benaiah. Oh, I had read about him in Scripture, but I had never really learned about him and gotten to know him. See, it was a, it was a dark period in my life, in my ministry. I was really questioning my calling. Now, again, all of us have been called. Some of us have been called to work within a church. Very few of us. I love what Bobby says. He said, if, if you can do anything else, don't work in a church. If you can do anything else, don't do that. But some of us get called to do that, and that's all we can do. But I had begun to question that. I began to wonder if maybe I had spent the last decade and a half of my life wasting it not living into the calling that God really had for me. And in the midst of that despair and that darkness, a friend of mine, a pastor of mine, handed me a book and said, you've got to read this. And I looked at the book, and I had never even heard of the author, Mark Batterson. I didn't know who that was at the time. And the name of the book was just weird. The name of the book was In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. I love that name now. And I picked up that book, and I began to read it, and I could not put it down because it called me to live differently than I had been living before. There were quotes in the book that just spoke to my heart. One quote, Batterson is quoting Mark Twain, 
who said this, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. The best you can do if you run away, this is Mark Batterson, the best you can do if you run away from a lion is to break even. You might save your skin, but you won't have a lion skin hanging on your wall either. The more you're willing to risk, the more God can use you. Scan the pages of Scripture, and you will find that God uses risk-takers. And the only thing between you and your destiny is one small act of courage. That spoke to me powerfully because it was not that I had experienced one small act of courage. Instead, I had experienced one giant act of of cowardice, and I sinned greatly by not chasing the lion that was placed in front of me. When I die, I want my life to matter. I want to leave this world knowing that I made a difference. I want to know that I lived victoriously in the will of God and followed his direction for my life. I want to know that when I leave, there will be a difference in this world because I was here. And I think that most of us feel the same thing too. We sense it. We may not have language to identify it, but we sense that calling in our life that we were made for more. And I hope you hear that throughout this series. You were made for more because most of us chicken out and run from the lion. Yes, it had been dark days in my ministry. It, I was exhausted. It had been a, a season of intense ministry, and I was burned out. I was not where I needed to be physically. I was not where I needed to be mentally. I was not where I needed to be spiritually. And I was tired. And one day I got a call from a pastor down the street. He said, Dan, can I come over and visit with you a moment? I have something I want to talk to you about. Sure, come on over. He's just half a mile down the street, so 10 minutes he's in my office. And he says, in essence, I think we should talk about merging our two churches. And I didn't know what to think about that at first. But the more we talked, the more excited I got. And I said, let's continue. Let's keep talking about this. And so the weeks and the months that followed, he and I talked a lot about it and prayed about it. And then we shared it with the leaderships of our churches. And they began to talk about it and pray about it. And soon we shared it with the congregations of our churches. And they began to talk about it and pray about it. And an excitement and an energy began to build. We exchanged pulpits. We, we had joint worship services. We, we got together for potlucks. And I hate potlucks, but that was a wonderful experience to come together as a church to do that. And we, people got excited and thrilled about the possibility of what might be of our churches coming together. But as the date, our self-imposed date of deciding of whether or not we were going to have a congregational vote approached, I kept getting the sense. I kept hearing the voice of God, not audibly, but in a very real sense, saying, the merger's fine but you're not to be a part of it. You're to leave. 
I was like, wait a minute, God. I don't, I've all I've done is ever preached. What am I going to do now? I have no other skill. What can I do? I, I, I hadn't been looking for a job. What church is going to hire me on the spur of the moment? What am I, I don't have any place to go. How can I leave, God? And I wrestled with God over that. And I cried with God over that. And Mimi and I prayed over that. And finally, just the day of, the day of when our two leadership groups were getting together to say yes or no, we're going to put it to the congregations for a vote, Mimi finally said, you've just got to do what you think God is calling you to do. And so when we met, I told them, the merger's great, but I can't go. And there was stunned silence in the room. And Bob, not his real name, but we're going to call him Bob to protect the guilty in this case, a very tall man jumped up out of his seat, came and stood over me as I sat there looking up at him. He was shaking his finger and yelling at me, and he said, if you're not going to be part of this merger, then the whole thing's off. And he stormed out the door and slammed it behind him. And we all just kind of sat there. Now, you got to understand, I came to realize later, Bob was not saying that because he was so excited about me. The truth is, he opposed the merger, and I was just a good excuse for him to put a stop to it. The group gathered itself and said, why don't you, Dan, just pray about it for two more weeks? Take two more weeks, pray about it. Are you sure that this is what you want to do? Are you sure that you think this is what God is calling you to do? Pray about it, and then we'll come back together and, and talk about it again. And so we did. And people began to talk to me. Dan, everybody's excited. You know the congregation's going to vote for it. We, we want to do this. You need to, you need to stay. You don't, you don't need to go. This is what you need. You're just scared. You're just worried. And in those two weeks, I faced the lion. And I ran from the roar. Because I didn't know what I was going to do. There was a whole lot more uncertainty in following what I thought God was calling me to than it was to stay with people who were saying, Dan, come on, come with us. We want you with us. It was a lot more comfortable to go there. And so at the end of the two weeks, we met and I said, okay, I'll stay. And I sinned greatly. Because I disobeyed God. Now, at first, there weren't any bad consequences. Things went great. In fact, it was wonderful. Overwhelmingly, the congregations voted to merge, and we merged, and we got together, and we sold their property, and we used that money to remodel our building, and it was fantastic and wonderful. And there was an energy and excitement in the church and in the ministry and, and a renewal within me because we were co-pastoring and we were sharing the pulpit. And we were we so I would I would maybe have two Sundays off, that kind of thing. And, you know, it was renewal. You just it, it's hard to convey uh, to someone who's never experienced how exhausting spiritually, physically, mentally exhausting it is to preach Sunday after Sunday. I guarantee you. When Frank finishes a sermon the last th after the third service on a Sunday, he's exhausted, but he's already thinking about next week. We are so blessed to have somebody like him who consistently can bring powerful messages to us. It's exhausting. People don't understand that. So when I, when I had this experience and it was re refreshing and renewal to have some rest built in as we shared the pulpit like that, it was great and wonderful ministry. The people were so excited. They were inviting their friends. You know, it's, a, it's kind of a secret. We sometimes think that uh, 
uh, it's all about the, the sermon or it's all about the quality of the music that gets people to come to church. And, and those are contributing factors for sure. But the real thing that gets a church to grow is when the people in the pews are excited about church and they invite their friends. And these folks were excited about church and they were inviting their friends. It got so exciting that even one of the news stations in town called to interview us because it was so unusual to hear about a church merging and coming together because Corpus Christi had had several churches in a very public way end up splitting. And when I say public way, I mean it was uh, meetings go into the parking lot and fistfights ensue and cops get called. That was happening, you know, in different churches around town. So for us to come together and merge, that was great news. And it was wonderful for a time. But all the while, the voice in the back of my head kept saying, you're not supposed to be here. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I ignored that. And though people in the pew didn't get what was going on, the leadership did. There became fissures, you know, divisions that began to develop. Uh, people began to talk and began to gossip about one another. Leaders resigned out of frustration and anger. And then one day, Bob, one Monday morning, walks into my office, closes the door behind him and says, you're fired. I was devastated. I didn't know what I was going to do, where I was going to go. I had nothing it was because I had not followed what God had called me to do to begin with. And what ensued over the next coming months and ultimately years is that church has since split and split and split and split again and to where there's just a small group meeting in that building where we used to meet that was so full with life. And now Carrie did that guilt of did I cause that by not listening to the voice of God to begin with? Not heeding the calling that he had on my life, not trusting him? Did I run from the lion instead of facing it and confronting my fears? And it was hard. In the midst of the time, I thought, well, maybe I don't belong in ministry. So we, we bought a, a, a little ice cream and smoothie store. It was a franchise, and we ran that for a while. And, and lo and behold, you know, it was the coldest, wettest winter in Corpus Christi history. You know, and so it got tough. And then, and then the franchise itself began to disintegrate, and they fell, fell apart, filed bankruptcy. Franchise owners sued them, all this kind of stuff. And Mimi and I lost a lot of money on that. And I was like, what am I going to do? We failed again. And then I got a job up in Arlington uh, as a project manager of a software company. I know nothing about being a project manager, and I knew nothing about writing software. But I had this job, and I did that for like three years. And, and they didn't fire me, so that was a good thing, you know? And it was during that time that I began to heal and to grow and hear again the voice of God. And then I came face to face with another lion named Frank Briggs. <laughs> you see, we started, after we bought our house, we started looking for a church home. And I was all excited because I'd been up here for about a year with the family down in Corpus until school was out. And 
And then they came up and said, hey, I've scouted out some churches. Let's go to this church. And my kids were like, Dad, we want to go to Lighthouse. Because you see, my daughters had partly grown up in this church because they used to come up here for Camp Cullen every summer. And so they knew a lot of you. Bobby and Kelly put on this camp every single They still do it. My kids are in college, and they still do this in the summers. And they had swam in Dick and Jody Williamson's pool and all of that kind of stuff. And so they, they said, let's go to Lighthouse. And I said, no, I'm not going to go to Lighthouse. That's a Methodist church. We're not going to go there. And so we went to this other church, you know, and I, we got back in the car after Sunday services, and I'm like, hey, wasn't that great? How wonderful was it? Y'all like it? Dad, we didn't like it. We want to go to Lighthouse. And Sunday after Sunday, the same thing happened. We had the same conversation. And so one Sunday, I finally said, fine, we'll go to Lighthouse today. And that was the day that we came, and we walked in the doors back there. And it was two seconds after we walked in the doors, the girls were gone. They were off into the back, and they were running around and talking to people. And Mimi and I just kind of stood there, you know. But we found our place, and I sat in the pew like this. I'm not going to like it here. What are we doing here, you know? This is terrible. And I did for weeks, for months. And then I knew I lost the battle because Mimi said, I really like it there. Let's go. And so we did, and we went to Lighthouse 101 or our Connect class, and Bobby and Frank presented, you know, about the church. Many of you have been through that class, and, and at the end, they say, hey, if you would like to join, you can fill out this form and sign it at the bottom and turn that in. Well, you know, I filled out the form, but I didn't sign it at the bottom, so I, you know, a little act of defiance there. I wasn't going to sign it. I still wasn't going to like it, but the weeks turned into months, and you guys won us over, won me over. I mean, there was a, and there is a spirit of God here that is powerful and contagious. And it was part of my healing. And in the midst of that, after a while, Frank came to me and said, Hey, what do you think about coming on part time? You can stay working at the software company, but come work here part time. And it terrified me, it scared me to death. I left the church world. That wasn't my calling anymore. God surely wouldn't be calling me back to that. And I heard the lion roar. And Frank said, look, just come part-time, maybe sometime down the road it might turn into something full-time, which is code, by the way, for um, we're going to try you out and look at you, and if you're not a nut, then we'll talk about hiring you full-time. I get it. I understand it. And I wondered if maybe I was. So I went to visit with uh, Dr. Dan, Dr. Dan Smith, you know, the counselor we have here at church. And I said, hey, you know, I just, we need to talk. I need, I, is my head screwed on straight? And, and to come back into ministry, do I really want to get back into it? And he said, hey, buddy, it's going to take a lot more than one session to figure that out. We need multiple sessions with you. And so we did. And I heard that lion roaring, and it scared me. But this time I thought, I'm not going to run away. I'm going to chase that lion down. And that's where some of you are. You're confronted with choices. You hear, you think what may be the voice of God calling you to something, but what he's calling you to is frightening. It's difficult. If you're going to follow God's call, what you're going to do is you're going to dream big. And you're going to risk boldly to follow Him. That's the only way to live victoriously. 
Because God never calls us to comfort. He never calls us to be pew warmers in a church building. He calls us to be his ambassadors in this world. To be missionaries in foreign lands, whether that foreign land is across the ocean or across the street. God has a calling on your life for ministry. But you've heard the lion roar. We've all heard it. The question is, are you going to run away or are you going to run toward it? We're called to be lion chasers. We're called to confront the lion, to chase it into the pit, even if it is a snowy day, and to kill it. Here's what Scripture says about Benaiah. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion into a pit and killed it. Once armed with only a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hands and killed him with it. Deeds like this made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors, the three mightiest warriors, <coughs> excuse me, in all, all of Israel. Deeds like this made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, King David's elite fighting force, though he was not one of the three. And yet David made him captain of his bodyguard. He put him in the most trusted position a king could place anyone. Benaiah. I know you hear those verses and you think, how are we going to spend multiple weeks on those? You know, how are we We're going to unpack those verses in the coming weeks. But for today, I want you to just take away these two thoughts. Just a couple of things to bear in mind. God is in the business of placing us in the right place at the right time. But rarely, if ever, does that right place and right time feel comfortable. But know that it's right. God is calling us out of our comfort zone to follow Him boldly. And, and a second thing to remember is that God is in the business of using our past to prepare us for future victories. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done. God has a calling of more for your life than you're living now. It doesn't matter what life stage you're at. It doesn't matter your age. God has more in store for you. The Bible is filled with folks who have run from lions and those who have become lion chasers. You remember the parable of the talents? Jesus condemned the man who was scared and hid the master's money in the ground. He condemned that man. 
Laodicean church in the book of Revelation is condemned because they were lukewarm rather than being passionate about God. God called Abraham to leave his home and journey to a new land. Where are we going to go, God? Don't worry about it, Abram. I'll show you along the way. That takes courage to follow that calling. God sent Joseph to Egypt by way of slavery and prison. God sent Moses to the promised land, even though he was a timid murderer. He called Esther to such a time as this. He called Deborah to lead a nation to victory and back to God. He called Mary to motherhood. He called Peter to walk on water. He called Paul to travel the world. And he calls you. I don't know what to. That's between you and God. But he is calling you to more. I've known some great lion chasers in my life. People who have stuck in difficult marriages because they thought it was the right thing to do. People who have left good jobs, left them without a security or safety net because there was something unethical going on in the company. So they knew it was the right thing to do was to leave. I know one couple, she spent many times, multiple times in a psych hospital and he committed very public, very diverse sexual sins. But they faced that lion together, and they overcame that lion, and today they're leading a church. God can use you no matter what, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. He's calling you to more, to dream big, to risk boldly, to live victoriously. So as we close this morning, I want to close with a a prayer. Mark Batterson wrote this. It's my prayer for you. He calls it the Lion Chasers Manifesto. May this be our words through this series. Run to the roar is my prayer for you. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating your future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the main and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Don't let your fear dictate your decisions. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't try to be who you're not. Be yourself. Laugh at yourself. Dare to dream God-sized dreams. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the lion. Amen.